It's a, such a great blessing to be able to come together today. I'd like to begin by expressing our thanks to those that are visiting with us. Uh, it's always a delight to be able to look out and see people that uh, come and come to serve the Lord with us. We hope that it's a pleasant experience and that you would desire to come back. I'd like to express my sympathy to Mike. Actually, Mike is suffering with a, uh, an eye infection and... He texted me and said, I can't open my eye, and I need you to fill in. So, with that said, we definitely want to keep Mike in our prayers that he can recover quickly. Uh, I know it, it's never fun to be sick. It's never fun to be down, and I, I'm certain that he would rather be here than where he is. Today, as we take a few moments out, although we didn't uh, have time to put together a, a PowerPoint as we take a few, few moments out of our, our morning service, we're going to look at the topic of living like there is no God. It's really the idea of that of Christian atheism. It's one thing for a person that professes that there is no God. It's one thing for a person that doesn't believe, that has never heard, or that has no desire to be pleasing to God, to live in a manner that says... There is no God. But it's totally different when we have a person that would claim to be Christian or claim to, claim to be a follower of Christ and yet live a completely different way. When I was given the topic, living like there is no God, I actually spoke this at a seminar here a few weeks back with, with Mike. We both spoke at uh, the same place and he spoke the sermon before, which you actually heard Sunday night a few weeks back. Living like there is no God immediately brings to my mind the idea of maybe Sodom and Gomorrah. If you look in Genesis chapter 18, you, you see these, these cities that are overcome with wickedness. They're evil. They're bad. They're full of people that want to do nothing but live in a way that pleases themselves. They do things that are completely against God, against His will. And Abraham actually... Uh, goes to God and says, says, will you save it for as few as ten people? And God says, if, if there's ten faithful. But yet you find out that the cities were destroyed because there was, no, there was no good that could be found. There were no righteous people that could be found. Again, another story I think of, the historical count of Noah and the ark. If you think of the time of Noah in Genesis 6, prior to that, which happened at Sodom and Gomorrah, God destroyed the whole universe because there, there was none righteous that could be found. No one, his family, the ones that were saved. But when I talk about living like there is no God, I think more to Ecclesiastes. I think to the life of Solomon. The verse was read, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. If you look at the life of Solomon, read through the book of Ecclesiastes, for instance, you can see how he goes out and he pursues happiness. He pursues that of purpose. He says, I want purpose in my life. I want to find joy. I want to find a reason to live. He sums it up at the very beginning. Vanity of vanities. I couldn't find it. He said, it isn't anywhere else. Everything's in vain. And then later on, he comes to the end of the the end of the book, and he sums it up with the whole of man, the whole duty of man is fear God and to keep his commandments. 
In speaking with numerous Christians, it's, it's often mentioned how great it is to come into contact with other people and they're like, wow, you must be a Christian. Or they look at the way you live and they say, wow, I want to be like you. I want to have that attitude. I want to live in, in that way. It's amazing that if a per- person devotes their life to, to studying the Bible, they make a change. They say, I want to give my life to God. I want to look into God's Word. You'll notice right away that when they give their life to study, when they give their life to looking at God's Word, it changes them. Today, as we consider the topic, living like there is no God, we'll look at three different points. We'll look that there's a lack of knowledge. That's the reason people live like there is no God. That lack of knowledge spawns a lack of faith. That's why people live like there is no God. And then we'll also notice that there's a lack of hope. Living like there is no God might bring to your mind first, like it did mine, the worst of the worst. The bad, the bad. But instead, it might strike a little bit closer to home. Today, I want to I wanna think about it striking closer to home. It could, be, it could be within our own congregation. It could be within our own families. In fact, it could be within me. It could be within you. Living like there is no God is a disease that spread throughout our society. If you look at the world around you right now, the problems that we have spawn because people are turning their backs on God. As we look at the lack of knowledge, the lack of knowledge comes because there's people that live like there is no God. The lack of knowledge has spread rampantly through the world, and now it's a huge problem. Now we suffer consequences because of the way that people were living. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, we find here it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Lack of knowledge. Well, notice here it's not so much that they studied God's word and they said, oh, I'm going to let it change me. But instead they said, ooh, I don't like what that says. I'm going to pursue after some other evangelist that will tell me what I want to hear. I'll pursue after somebody that says, oh, good job. Live however you want and you'll be blessed in it. The problem in 2 Timothy chapter 4 is that they heap to themselves teachers. They go about searching for what they want to hear. When we search the Word of God, we should search for what the Bible would make us rather than for what we desire to make the Bible. The problem with our society is everybody wants to believe something and they want to believe it their way. We need to rather look to mold our lives to what God said. Man's knowledge... Man's wisdom can blind them. In fact, Jesus talked about about that in, in the gospel. People could be blinded by the gospel because they didn't want to adhere to it. In Mark chapter 4, verse 12, it says that seeing they may see, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Seeing they may see and not perceive. Hearing they may hear and not understand. Even though it's right there, it's plain, it's right in front of them. They say, nope, nope, not going to adhere to that, not going to live by that. There is a lack of knowledge that's a problem. There can be a lack of knowledge that comes, that lack of knowledge stems from not teaching at home. It comes from not spreading on the message as was told. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, Old Testament passage, 
but yet it makes so much sense. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, as, as we see, it's prescribed here to pass on what you know. Pass on the good news. Pass on that of which God has prescribed. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, if you read along with me, you'll see it says, Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Notice he says, And teach them to your children and to your grandchildren the things of God. Pass them on. The, the teachings of God, the historical news of God, the stories that, or the historical accounts that show the great power of God, pass it on. Carry it on to the further generations so they can have the same appreciation for God that they had at this time. Today, we could, we could relate it to what we know, understanding that Jesus was the Christ, looking back at the miracles the problem is we don't pass on that message. Instead, we conceal it and hold it within us. In Isaiah chapter 38, verse 19, it says, The father to the children shall make known thy truth. They pass it on. They carry on the message. There's a problem in the world today because mothers and dads don't teach their children that which they know. They don't pass on the things that they've learned. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, a real well-known verse train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it teach them from a youth teach them from when they're very young and we'll see they won't have that lack of knowledge that leads to living like there is no God in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 New Testament passage referring to the same things it says and fathers provoke not your sons to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up to be faithful. Bring them up to be Christians. Bring them up to do what's right. A lack of knowledge leads no other place than destruction. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The problem comes in because people don't devote their lives to God's Word. They don't devote their lives to studying, to putting God first. And then that lack of knowledge leads them to living like there is no God. That lack of knowledge then turns into a lack of faith because they don't have that knowledge, because they don't get into God's Word and they don't study, they don't apply it to their lives and they don't have a faith that makes them what they ought to be. The lack of faith is built directly off their lack of knowledge. When one does not have knowledge and does not search for it, the end result is going to end up being a lack of faith. Although it might be started by parents who fail to teach, the, further, the problem is only multiplied if we don't study. The, the, the problem is only multiplied if the individual that wasn't taught doesn't ever open God's Word and look into it. The problem is only multiplied if we as Christians don't reach out and try and spread the good news. The problem only multiplies because the truth isn't spread. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we, we see that there's only one way that they get faith. And if it didn't come from mom and dad, it's still got to come from somewhere. So that gives us a job to do. That gives us something that we have to do to reach out to defeat 
the idea of living like there is no God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. We've got to have that faith that will push us to do what's right. We have to have the faith that will encourage us, knowing that there is a home in heaven, knowing that there's something better, that I'm going to live for the Father. One might put their faith in the idea that after this life is over, after I die, it's over. In fact, if one believes that there is no God, that's the only faith that they can have. It's been said before that it takes much more faith to believe in the Big Bang Theory than it does to believe in God the Father. And it only makes sense because the Big Bang Theory still doesn't explain anything. It still doesn't explain where it started from. They have no beginning and in the end, they don't have a purpose when the end comes for them. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on thine own understanding. Meaning, get into God's word. Put him first. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Give your life to study, and the Bible will change you. Give your life to God, and people will look at you and they will say, Wow, I want to be like you. But yet, on the other hand, that idea of a Christian atheist, the, the idea of a person that, that says, says, I believe there is a God, they confess the name of the Father. They confess that, that God is real. In fact, they believe that he's coming again. Although they have that belief, there's still a difference that we see in their lifestyle. We see, we see something that is different because those around them look at them and say, oh, wow, you go to church up there? Oh, wow, you go to church every week? It brings a shame to the idea that the one that is a Christian shows their life to be the one that is the atheist. There's a lot of people in the world that have really good morals. There's a lot of people in the world that are really good people. And it's really sad when you find that a Christian would want to be any less, that would want to be any less of the person God would have them to be. Living like there is no God fully relies on self. It relies on me, what I can do for me. Looking at all the different things that we can put our faith in, that we can put our, our hope in, because as we said, you have to have faith in something. We can put our, our faith in our fame. We can put our faith in our fortunes. We can put it in our friends or our family. Maybe we just like the idea of food. We can put our, our faith in something other than God. And if we do that, we're going to find out our life is nothing more than lacking. It's short somewhere. So the, the, the problem comes in, as a Christian, we want to be so much more than lacking. The third point is, living like there is no God leads to a lack of hope. As a Christian, if there's one thing we can cling on to, we cling on to hope. Because not, it's not about being here right now. It's not about all the money we can have. It's not about being famous. None of us are in Hollywood today, so if that's what we're looking for, we missed it. None of us are 
striving to, to have anything other than God at the forefront. We need to make sure that we pursue after that and we wouldn't, we wouldn't ever be that Christian atheist, the one that lives in a way different than they profess. The lack of hope, just like the lack of faith, is spawned by the thing right before it. Because of a lack of knowledge, a person will have a lack of faith. Because of a lack of faith, a person can have a lack of hope. Because they don't believe that God is going to give what he said. Because they don't believe that God will punish as he's promised. Because they don't believe that God will be true to what he said, they don't put their faith in him and then have the hope for the hereafter. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, talking about the Christian life, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Grab it. It's yours. It can be yours because fighting the good fight of faith leads to the person laying hold on eternal life. So we've got to reach to it. We've got to strive. We've got to keep fighting. The only way to lay hold on, a, on eternal life is to fight the fight of faith. It's to continue to strive towards our hope, our home, eternal life. To live without faith is really not even to live at all. To live without faith is just pursuing that of the death that is promised to come, that we know will be here oh so soon. In Psalm chapter 90 and verse 10, it, refer, it refers to that life and it says it'll soon be cut off. It says maybe 70 or 80 years. It's not real long. It's not going to last a long time. We've been talking about in our class upstairs, the the greatness of heaven, looking at, at what we see is depicted in heaven and how perfect it will be. We might not understand everything about heaven. We not, might not understand how amazing it will be. But I promise you this, the hope that we have in it, we can know that it's better than anything we've ever experienced. We can know that it's better than anything this world has to offer. The hope that we enjoy is based off of all the fulfilled promises throughout this book. All the fulfilled promises that we can look at point to that of a home in heaven, and that's why I want to go there. But we've still got a promise that remains. We've got a promise that heaven is in store. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will then come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We've got another promise. This one hasn't been fulfilled yet because we haven't seen it take place. It hasn't, been, it hasn't taken place yet because the world has not ended. But I promise you, just as every other promise that Christ has made, it will come about. It will come to fruition. It will take place in the end, right on time, just as every other promise God has ever made, just as every other prophecy has come about just when it was supposed to. The time will come when the faithful will receive that home. So that's who we need to be. That's who we're striving to be. That's the light that we're trying to shine. That's what we're trying to illuminate the world with. The life of one that does not believe in God is shown in the way that they live. There are some who profess to believe in God, but yet there is a lack of conviction 
And because of that, they live in a way that professes that there is no God. They live in a way that says, I really don't believe. But I'll be there Sunday and I'll sit in the pew. Don't worry about that. I'll still be at church. But I'm going to live a different way. A Christian is a Christian seven days a week. Every day of the year. All the time. A Christian lives in a way that professes to be a Christian that illuminates the world through the light that we let off, that we show to the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it said, Let your light so shine before men, notice, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Living like there is no God is a problem only because it's spreading so quickly. Only because the only way to defeat it is the word of God and people stray farther and farther away. Solomon, as we mentioned, began his book, Vanity of Vanities, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. As you go to the end of the book, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 8, he said, For the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. He figured it out. Now look at Solomon. As a young person, you notice his faithfulness? Notice, in fact, he, he requested wisdom from God. All the things he could have asked for, and he said, I want wisdom. After receiving that wisdom, later on in life, he pursues everything else. He pursues things that are different than what he needed. He pursued things that were separate from God's plan from God's desire but he figured it out as he came to the end of his life when he said the whole purpose the whole duty the whole of man all I am is to fear God and to keep his commandments that's the goal life without God is nothing more than lacking there is no faith there's no knowledge and there's no hope Really, you have nothing at all. You've got 70 or 80 years. Sure, you might have some that live to be 100, but that's nothing. It's but a vapor here for a little while, and then it vanisheth away. Let's live in a way in which we can have that hope, which we can reach, we can lay hold on eternal life. The lack of knowledge, lack of faith, and lack of hope leave little reason for one's life to continue. It's no wonder that we have assisted suicide. It's no wonder that abortion is no big deal. It's no wonder that we have all these different types of people going out and shooting one another over nothing. Because life is nothing. Life is fleeting. Life is over when you're dead. Life is not about the fun, not about the friends, not about the fame, not about the fortune, not about anything here. Life is about there. Life is about going home. Solomon summed it up, sorry, Ecclesiastes 12 verse 8 is a repeat of what he said in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2 when he said, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanities. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 8, as I mentioned, was, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Solomon summed it up, the purpose of life. Now, we've got to live in a way 
that leads us home. The question is, are we willing to give our life to God? We talk about the confession in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Don't think it's just now, but it's now and forever. As long as you have breath, let us confess the Father. Let's live in a way. It's very easy as a Christian, after, after coming to a point where, where you understand, where you believe, you profess your faith in God, you decide to put God first, you repent, you decide to be baptized, it's very easy to still fall off. It's very easy to let your light be put out. It's very easy to fall back, but don't think it's done. It ain't over. As long as you have breath, there's still a chance. You can always have that opportunity to come back. You always have that opportunity to put God first. So from this day forward, as a Christian, let's be the light that we need to be. Let's be the Christian that God would have us to be. If you haven't been baptized, if you haven't put God first in your life, if you haven't done what it takes to be obedient to God, we want to help you with that. Understanding that faith is required and it only comes by the word of God. In Romans 10 verse 17, the person that, that develops a faith because of their study, understanding that Jesus is the Christ, desiring to make a change in their life, as is seen in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, immediately after knowing that they had sinned, they had done what was wrong, they're told, repent and be baptized. Make a change. Put God first. Be immersed for the remission of sins. Be immersed so that you can be one of the saved, so that you can be in the Lord's church, the one that Christ built. We want to help you with that. If you haven't been faithful to God, if you haven't been baptized for the remission of your sins, we want to help you. Please come as we stand and sing.